0: Hello everyone, welcome to Urbanus podcast. Finally, Donatos Urbonas, I'm the host, and Rytis after a long, long time, we're here in our new studio in Vilnius.
1: Oh, yes, it's, it's great to be here. It's a pleasure, and it's great to have Manu Ginobili behind my back. And it's been a while since our last podcast. Unfortunately, there were some circumstances. Uh, Donatas was sick, I was sick. We couldn't, uh, couldn't make a podcast for, let's say, the first two weeks of the EuroLeague yeah, basketball, m- but we're here now, four games played, a lot to discuss, a lot of topics, and I'm, I'm excited to do this.
0: Yeah, the last time we had POD was September 27th, just before the start of the regular season, and, uh, you know, sometimes three weeks is kind of nothing, but yeah. three weeks ago, Martin Schiller had a job. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, we were making <laughs> predictions, and if you remember... I was saying that at some point in the season, Paulus Mutiunas might make a financial decision if the team is struggling, if the ticket sales go low, he might uh, fire Martin Schiller. But I was talking like New Year or... December. Second half of the season. And he was fired in October. So we couldn't foresee that at, at the time we were talking, but we were making predictions, yeah, about the EuroLeague teams, and uh, guys, just, you know, it's it's sort of a random time for us to do a podcast, but definitely now that we are under better circumstances, we will do these more regularly yeah. to cover EuroLeague games. We will have some... Yeah, it was supposed uh, to be a weekly yeah, podcast. Yeah, so we will have some, like, uh, weekly uh, discussions uh, that we're gonna do, and we just need to get back on track. That's it. You were traveling a lot. Yeah. You were traveling. That was also one of the uh, reasons
0: why why we couldn't sit down in one studio. So Actually, three, three weeks ago, there was nothing like that in the studio. I mean, probably we had only walls and windows or something <laughs> yeah. like that here <laughs> in Vilnius. So.
1: so what were your, I don't know, biggest impressions traveling, talking to all these people mm. uh, from EuroLeague teams? You visited Monaco, you were in yeah. France, you saw a lot of things. So... Uh, what, what, what was your trip? Uh, Now it's so weird to talk, especially about Monaco
0: trip, because it seems like it was so, you know, a long time ago, although it was like maybe only three weeks ago, but so much action happened since then, because we went to Vivgitis, who is there also sitting and doing our pod. Uh, we were in Monaco, then in Lyon, then we spent a week in, in Milan. So these weeks ran so fast that I, I actually, before the pod, pod, I had to remember you know, what I was actually doing in Monaco. Yeah. But it was a very interesting trip, uh, especially to meet Monaco people. Uh, we met uh, the GM, the director of uh, communications and marketing. Uh, we met with Mike James, uh, actually, and it was just interesting to see what is monaco not on, only the club but the city the city the principality uh, i would say is all about because it is so weird that in monaco the rules restrictions are so different and what was interesting that you know there are let's say no real borders and no fences or whatsoever but when you're just in the front door uh, of the the home arena of uh, monaco team which is Kind of a basement of Louis Stade de Louis, I think, uh, yeah. the Monaco football team stadium. And then you cross the street, the other side of the street, and it's French. Uh, it's, it's France uh, already. And rules are so different. For example, when you cross the street and you're in France, you can put your mask off. You can call Uber in that place, and you can use the internet, uh, you know, kind of for free uh, because of mobile uh, operator. While in Monaco, you have to wear masks. uh, You cannot call Uber in Monaco area. Uh, Also, they charge you a lot. And there are so many funny uh, differences, you know, about this uh, region. Basketball-wise, it was interesting mm, to see, you know, the main differences between Monaco and, and, and France. And Monaco is a very closed organization. They have, like maybe four or five people in the front office because they buy uh, some things outside uh, of the club like a communication team. They are very close with the government uh, of Monaco. Uh, and uh, I remember when news mm, spread out about the budgets in, in France and Asfell uh, has the bigger budget actually than Monaco, which... which might make a smile, you know. If I remember well, Aswell has a budget of 14 million euro and Monaco 13, something like that. Uh, Difference of 1 million euros. And okay, I was like, something is weird, but when I tried to dig, you know, that if Monaco could do some things just to fix the numbers to make them lower, that's not true at all because... Mm, The principality of Monaco has some shares uh, in the club and I was told that there's no way they could do some, you know, dark things inside the club and to play with numbers like, for example, uh, with Partizan. I remember Polis Matunas even laughed in the press conference about their official numbers they presented about their budget. Uh, It has
1: something to do with taxes?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the taxes system, they can pay players uh, much more than in France. So that makes a huge uh, differ- difference. Uh, what impressed me, how relaxed was Mike James, actually. And it seems like he has team around him, which uh, which kind of, not no, you cannot order anything to Mike James, but let's say they suggested being more open to media, to people and stuff. That's why you see uh, more content from his side. Uh, and it probably it's related to marketing decisions because he has a deal with Adidas. So probably he has to promote Adidas brand, promote himself. Maybe he's already working, you know, for post-retirement plans or something like that. So Mike was open, either on, on the post-game uh, interview or even in, in our colleague uh, Martina's sh- sh- new show, and one, I hope that we will have that show this week, right, Guitis? What? <laughs> and one. We will have this uh, this week finally because the first
1: episode will, will be with mike james yeah, yeah, yeah so he he was he was great okay nice i'm looking forward to seeing that uh yeah i saw your interview with mike uh, it was nice to hear from him it, it seems like he's in his right place at the moment because before the season probably himself he didn't know what he where he's gonna play whether he's gonna play at all so we are seeing him now. And yeah, it's it's great that you get to meet all these people and talk to them and, and talk about organizations like Monaco. Uh, because I, I remember in the past for Lithuanian media, it was so unusual to cover other teams, mm. only Lithuanian teams, Žalgiris, mainly. And it's only like four years ago or even three years ago, it became like common for, Lithuanian journalists to follow Žalgirius to their uh, away games mm-hmm. and I think Jonas Miklovas, our yeah. our boss, w- our, w- was the guy who started it.
0: I think he started in yeah. 2017 or something yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was the one who started that. It, it was the beginning of the new format, EuroLeague, because yeah. it was clear you could see the schedule for all season and you can and there do was some Shara, planning.
1: So, of course. so you could get a lot of content and it was uh, useful to follow that team. Okay, so it's it's nice to hear you sharing your experiences while you were away. I was watching a lot of games, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing what I do, <laughs> you know. And today, actually, I have to say, is the start of the NBA season as well tonight. It's going to be
0: a long day for you, I'm right? Gu-
1: I'm going to have an all-nighter because I have to cover both games, uh, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and, and Los Angeles Lakers uh, with the Golden State Warriors. So there will be a...
0: Ring ceremony for Milwaukee, yeah, right? For I saw sure, a lot of sure. Greek uh, so, journalists coming to Milwaukee. Elijah Bryan
1: will get his ring DHL because he's probably in Istanbul <laughs> already. But yes, there, there will be the ring ceremony. And you know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, it's it's a hot game because of what happened in the playoffs last season when they played the game seven. Kevin Durant missing that, I mean, making that shot, but just stepping on a line by mm. like, inches and... Harden being out, Kyrie being out, so there will be a lot of ambitions, I think, in this game. And LA versus uh, the Warriors also. I mean, the Lakers have a lot to prove after the preseason they had. The Warriors are waiting for Klay Thompson to come back, but other than that, people are expecting Steph Curry to play an MVP type of season. So both games are really exciting, but I have to be prepared for an all-nighter because, you know, the first one is at 2.30 a.m., then the next one is immediately at 5 a.m., and it's all going to finish, like, at around 8 a.m. And now in in Lithuania, it's, what, 11.30, so... Basketball (laughs) schedule is crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Basketball never stops. It's so hard to follow all... And I still
1: have to watch the UEFA Champions League. Okay. Before that. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so there's a lot to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's all about sports from morning to yeah. night.
1: Okay, but let's start
0: with uh, Anadol Efes. Uh, we will make a recap of first four rounds of the EuroLeague. And uh, FS starting the season zero four.
1: 4 Is it something? Is it nothing? Is it everything? Well, everyone's talking about last season and and saying, look, what happened last season? They started so bad and they finished being champions. I would say it's a different situation because Uh last season they were struggling mainly because they didn't have any preseason practices or games. They were dealing with COVID. Players were out of shape. Larkin was out for a while. Yeah, and, and they just needed time. Now what I see is that well, yes, in some games, they maybe needed a little bit more luck or concentration. Let's say against ASVEL, they should have won that game. After three, three quarters, they were up. They were playing decently, and they should have won that game. But they just switched out in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, against CSK, it was a high-scoring game. They lost by four points against a team that had a dominant Chingelia at that time. I wouldn't say it was a really bad game. the The, the really bad game was the first one in Madrid. Uh, But what I see now is that uh, probably it is happening that some of these players are just getting older. And now you cannot be dependent on Kronoslav Simon and his health because he's 36 and now he's not playing. Um, Other players have some issues as well, like James Anderson, for example, in the third position. And what I like is that, you know, when Adolf is a rich club. They have a deep budget and they are reacting quickly. We lost four games, we're we're seeing these injuries, these problems, and bam, they are adding a player, they are adding Elijah Bryant, a former Maccabi player, an NBA champion with Milwaukee Bucks, a player who will help Vasa Mitic and Shane Larkin, being the creator. Uh, I would say he's a shooting guard, but he can be the ball handler, so he can cover the minutes of Kronoslav Simon if if the creation is out, and uh, Elijah Bryant is athletic, he's young, he's 26, he, he's he's a good defender as well. So it's a great addition for, for Anadolu FSN. Teams like this, they can fix problems during the season, even if they didn't do something in the preseason preparing in, in the summer. So I wouldn't dramatize the situation that they lost the first four games. I think they will be fine, they will be alright. Uh, maybe, you know, losing the first four games already puts you in a difficult situation if you think about fighting for the first spot or even the second, but as we talked in our previous podcast, as long as you're in top four, in top four and you have the home court advantage, it's okay. So I think they will be fine and, and you know, Vasemitsic is still playing okay. He could lower his turnovers. Ataman was criticizing him for the step back three-pointers and, and everything, <laughs> but that's Ataman, that's what he does. And... um Shane Larkin is not looking really bad. I mean, he's scoring. He just had an off game against, against CSK where he couldn't, couldn't get a bucket. But now I think they will have a little bit better schedule ahead of them. They will play some teams they should really beat. And I think they should go on a run right now.
0: I just think that they don't care, really. Uh, although they have less problems than they had uh, compared to the last season, I think it's... They figured out that they can actually skip the uh, first part of the regular season and they can still, you know, make the. They were the fourth seed or the third seed in the regular season last year. I don't remember, but they had a home court advantage. So I think that, it was third against. Yeah, six. that means they were a top four team. Although they finished the re- first part of the regular season as the eleventh seed, uh, and they were only one. They had only one win more than, for example, ASVEL Villarban or no Alba Berlin, which is which sounds uh, crazy. And um, when you see players like Misic, uh, Larkin, especially Singleton and other guys, you just you can see that they just don't care, and you cannot lose your head in October. Uh, you can follow the Twitter feed, and you see, you know, all these reactions about them starting the season zero to four. Eh, it's it doesn't mean anything.
1: Yeah, you don't have to overreact. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're too good. Yes, they lost four games, but right now, what I see from their schedule, my prediction would be they will win five in a row. Now they're playing Kazan at home, then they're playing Panathinaikos away. Then they have two home games in a row against Zalgiris and Zenit. And then they have Alba Berlin away. So in my opinion, they should win all five of these games. And that will that will be the real beginning of their season and, and defending the, the champion's crown. And what do you think about Elijah, there the new signing?
0: That's a good signing. As you, as you mentioned, if Ataman is actually missing player like Bruno Simon, which he emphasize, emphasized after the last loss against Milan, Uh, he would for sure help help them and what I like about Elijah Bryant that he's hungry player I like uh, Petrushev addition I like Elijah Bryant because they needed some fresh faces fresh energy uh, to boost them when the team will be sleeping, especially in the first part of the season. So, uh, these players, these two new players are much more motivated than the rest of the guys, uh, when the rest of the group. So, not only talent-wise, he's a great addition and a smart choice uh, of the front office, but... uh, Let's say mental wise, he's a really good character uh, to add. Uh, He was a good guy in Maccabi. So everything is okay about that addition. But in this, uh, I'm just enjoying this ride uh, in a different perspective. Uh, um, I like um, how Ataman is uh, using some, uh, you know, how he's trying to communicate this uh, tough beginning of the season at first he compared his team as like uh, to tourists in madrid and they yeah. lost badly <laughs> against real then when when they blew up uh, the 19 point lead against uh, asvel he mentioned that his team looked like a mini basket team now it seems like he starts, you know, criticizing his players after the third loss against Aswell. He was uh, against somebody. Now, yeah, he mentioned Mitzic. Singleton didn't, uh, you know, didn't get grabbing. a rebound. Yeah, yeah, that that's the problem. Mitzic, Larkin. Uh, by the way, uh, w- what would be your impression, uh, what would be your Ottoman impression about the start of the season? zero four, 4 and being in, l- in the locker room ag- after the game against Milan. <laughs>
1: Singleton, no rebound. What is this? Vosomicic. step back, three-pointer. Why you need that? No smart basketball. What is this? Shane, only one. Only one, Shane, who play good game. In Madrid, if not Shane, we lose 40 points. Okay?
0: Okay, coach. Thank you, thank you, coach, for your comment. So I mean, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> just enjoy this ride. Just enjoy the off-court things. But when the when it really matters, they will be out there again fighting for the title.
1: Yeah, and you know, Elijah Bryant is is a player who know who who will definitely know his role in this team because uh, previously he played with Dorsey and and Wilbekin, so he was sort of the third guy. And in this case, he will be the third guy as well, covering from Kruno Simon and playing with Vasa and, and Shane Larkin. Don't forget uh, Bobois. I mean, this is backcourt, he, he, actually. He's a scorer, yeah. So I think there will be no problems for Elijah Bryant to acknowledge his new role in this team. He was waived by the Milwaukee Bucks for obvious reasons. He didn't play much. He was there for the second part of the season. He became an NBA championship, and I think for any player, even though he didn't play much, to be in that environment with Yanis and to see the professionalism there, with with him, with Middleton, with the Holiday, it helps you. It improves you as a player, and I I think that Elijah Bryan will come back to the EuroLeague even stronger than he was in Tel Aviv. So it's a great addition, as you mentioned for for Rana Yeah, the wins they're they're coming. Let's talk a, uh, a bit about. We started with the
0: worst team so far, which yeah. sounds okay. One of the worst. One of the worst in the standings, yeah. and let's talk about the best team so far. And I think that although both Barcelona and Armani has uh, four uh, four wins, I believe that. Milan at the moment is the best team of the Euroleague so far after four solid wins against CSKA, Basconia, Makaib and uh, Anadolu. I just think that they are best all-around team so far. Uh, defensively, Defensively, they allow only 70 points per game. And offensively, what I like the most, the new additions. Uh, if you remember, I was a bit uh, skeptical about their new additions, uh, but so far uh, I was impressed how fast they adjusted uh, to Etera Messina uh, game. First of all, I love Devon Hall. Uh, he's not only scoring 13 points per game on 50% uh, three-point shooting, but he, he seems to be very smart, very solid, well-built player. Who, who is solid not only offensive end. He's a great spot up shooter. He doesn't force his shots, but in defensive end, his body helps him, you know, to stop uh, some uh, perimeter uh, threats. And he's he's really good all around player. Nicola Mele. I mean, we all know Nicola yeah. Mele. Uh, although he's not, uh, he doesn't have impressive numbers. Eight eight points per game is is nothing uh, to Nicola. But it's it's just a pure pleasure to watch him play and to watch all his uh, post up games. Uh, moves, but what I liked them, um, even more was Costas Mitoglou. Uh, he's scoring almost nine points in 19 minutes, five rebounds, 1.8 offensive rebounds, uh, and he's just a energy boost. Very physical. Uh, Player and what he he's different uh, right now so far in the beginning of the season that he finally making shots beyond the arc. His three point percentage is crazy 46 to six compared six to from 13. below 30 in Panathnaikos. And you can uh, see how Ettore Messina loves his effort, his hustle uh, plays on the court. He, is, he was very important uh, in both wins against uh, Maccabi and, and Adolo when uh, the team. Uh, really needed his help, so... I think against Anadolu he was just crucial. He played almost 30 minutes and... He made the shots when it was really needed. He made physical uh, plays when it was really needed, so... I mean...
1: But I said it all along that it was a great signing for them. I I didn't know much whether Hall... Or or Jerian Grant or Troy Daniels will be good. Hall supposed I, in to be a Real backup League.
0: player for Troy Daniels, but since Daniels is injured, yeah. Devon Hall is uh, is will be
1: very hard. Top, that, top uh, scorer right to replace. now. But about Konstantinos Mitoglou, I always said that he's gonna be good in this team. He's gonna be good for Ettore Messina, and it it's just a shame that Panathinaikos lost such a great Greek player. I think they, I believe they could have done more to keep him in in Athens. Uh, but yeah, as you said, Armani is clicking. And we shouldn't be surprised probably about them doing this. They, they still have a lot of experienced players, the veterans, even guys like Nicola Meli, as I said, he's coming coming back to the EuroLeague, but he has so much experience. But in the previous seasons, they also had amazing runs, especially in the beginning of the season. They They were lacking energy in the second part. Mm-hmm. So this is the case where you think whether this will happen again. Uh, because it's a veteran team, will they be able to keep this up? Because right now uh, I do see them potentially extending this winning streak to, let's say, seven, because the upcoming games for them at home against Asvel, then they are going to Munich to face once again Andrea Trinchieri and Bayern. Then they have Zvezda at home. And after that they play Barca, they play Fener. So... Potentially I can see them winning seven in a row at the beginning of the season, but it's just that in the previous two seasons I saw Armani lacking energy and not playing as sharp in the second part of the season. So uh, this start is a great boost for for the whole season. Uh, I predicted them in the sixth place, but of course starting like this it puts you in a good position to fight for for the top four, which is obviously very important.
0: Uh, I enjoyed my time in Milan a lot. Uh, I didn't mention it in in the beginning when you asked me about uh, all these trips because I knew that we were going to talk about Milan uh, as well. And it was so joyful to participate in the press conferences where where Ettore Messina was because he's so... Uh, I would say, intellectual, but at the same time, he's so playful. He makes the press conference uh, in an event. And after, you know, all all, all this season with Jargiris, with, all, with Martin Schiller, with all the respect to Martin Schiller, but he was just too diplomatic. Um, and all these press conferences was uh, more or less a waste of time, you know. Uh, for us journalists, it's always uh, fun to have um, something different, something more colorful. And Etere was just Uh, delivering all the time. At first, he joked about uh, Kyle Hines. When I asked him about uh, his unexpected retirement plans um, if you saw Kyle Hans mentioned on the podcast that it might be his last season so after, after he saw the headline he just texted uh, Kyle that, uh, that that's not joke uh, Kyle and I've actually heard that uh, Kyle uh, on the end one episode uh, to Martina with Martina he mentioned that even his wife was surprised <laughs> by his statement so uh, I believe that Kyle quickly changed his mind. mindset <laughs> about the way
1: he looks <laughs> I think he can go on for five more years oh yeah <laughs> it's just a matter of, of motivation because he won he, he's won it all already he's proven everything and if he he's not a motivated he, you could see him retiring but talking about this like talking not about motivated. his playing level he's the biggest professional there is in the game and the, his numbers are just as good as in, in any other season if not better <laughs> so retiring right now would be crazy i'd say he has to win the title for milano then he could retire probably they were kind of close last season and they should be hungry again this year so kyle heinz should not really joke about retiring <laughs> right
0: now uh and um Etre also joked <laughs> about referees kind of indirectly um uh, there were a lot of mm, i would say weird calls weird situations because even with 90 seconds in into the game of Anadolu and uh, milan the referee already had you know, to invite both coaches on the baseline to explain some situations and it's already weird when it happens in the beginning of the third quarter. Messina got technical uh, 12 uh, with 12 minutes uh, into the game. Uh, Chacho also got technical. I mean, it was crazy and it was the first time. I, I never expected that I could, you know, witness such a hostile experience and hostile atmosphere in Milan. Actually, some fans even from the courtside seats they were almost running on the court, like in Panathinaikos uh, Arena in Noaka, where you can all, always see some you know fans uh, uh, trashing all the, all these referees and stuff. They were booing uh, referees coming to the locker room uh, at the halftime. And I asked Etere, you know, uh, about uh, I called that situation. Uh, as a distraction and how the team overcome these distractions. And uh, when I started my question about these distractions, he 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 said, uh, you mean girls as a distraction, the girls in the stands? <laughs> I mean, so Messina was was just great. I don't know what, how uh, our gift to Messina influenced him because uh, we uh, bring him a uh, Bankuchen from from oh Vilnius God. yeah <laughs> because Messina, Messina is a fan of Shakotis of a uh, tree cake what's what's tree cake is is that the word yeah okay the english word uh, tree oh. cake but Bankuchen sounds <laughs> much more exciting the, the the history of of his uh, connection with Shakotis is that actually Messina called it Shakotis in Lithuanian when he uh, approached uh, us because um, uh, three years ago, I had one-on-one one interview with Messina in in Milan, in the Medellano Marina. And after the interview, uh, he joked uh, s- by saying, uh, "Why you didn't bring shakotis?" I was like, "What? How the hell you know Bankuchen? You know from Lithuania." And uh, uh, actually, Matkevičius, his former assistant, uh, from time to time he was bringing Bankuchen to Moscow. And uh, Messina was a big fan of Bankuchen because it it fit very well with uh, a cup of espresso. So. Uh, Messina was really, really surprised and uh, it was just a great time. He actually, after one practice, he approached us saying who I should be thankful for for this uh, gift because he it really made him smile. So again, this trip was very interesting.
1: <laughs> it's nice to see that I have something in common with with uh, the great professor because, oh. because um, I was celebrating my birthday a week ago and um, my girlfriend's parents actually brought the big one the big, big big one. And um I ate it like I ate like half of it because I really like it. It it, it goes well with coffee. I oh, yes. I agree with the thought. Not only with coffee, so yeah. It's a wise choice and it's a great gift. Kudos to you yeah. <laughs> for, for doing this. You know what? I actually remembered um, a remark I wanted to make about an adolu. I just forgot about it. Um, I read one quote where Ergin Ataman said that his 11-year-old son helps him prepare the game plan. Do you think it might be a problem? It might. (laughs) I don't want to speculate, but maybe, just maybe, <laughs> it has something to do with him losing the first four games of the season. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> of course, it's just a joke. Of uh, Ataman... No, this is a joke coming from me as well. <laughs> no offense.
0: Uh, because we had an interview with Ataman before the season, and he he talked a lot about his son. A son I think his name is Sarf. And how he influenced the team mentally, you know, sometimes, you know, pushing them to look at things from kid's perspective, uh, from a very, let's say, um, have an, a look from, from different eyes. And in some situations, he really helped. But if it comes with the game plan...
1: Scouting report? Uh, I'm not <laughs>
0: sure about that, bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so still, I agree with you that Armani is probably right now the, the hottest team in, in Europe because they not, they, they not only won four in a row... Also, they won against really solid teams. Mm. Of course, three of those games were played at home in Mediolanum. It helps. But still, he had to beat CSK in the opener. Milutinov got hurt, yes, but still CSK. It's, it's one of the toughest opponents you can face in, in a EuroLeague game. Then they were playing away in Bosco. Very
0: solid win, easy win.
1: Yeah, a, a defensive win, I would say, yeah. 78-64. And then at home, beating Maccabi confidently Again a solid game where they were just the better team and with Anadolu as Atari Messina said before the game it, it's not the not the best time to face Anadolu because they will be angry after losing the first free and in this game they they responded. When you can keep a team like Anadolu with seventy one points, it gives you a great chance to win the game. We know that in the fourth quarter Anadolu were making a run. They were yeah. So they were fighting. even worse actually against yeah. Milan. So really, it's it's uh, a lot of respect for uh, Milano, the way they started the season, and they are the hottest team in Europe right now. Although Barcelona is also unbeaten. They won four games. They had a double week with two overtimes. And it they, was very they managed convincing wins, actually. But they managed them somehow against Olympiacos, first of all, in Palau, where it was just a free-throw marathon in the end of the game. And then against Monaco... They, they were down a, by three with twenty seconds
0: left, and Monaco in some stations they just. Well, lost Brandon their Davis
1: head. was was amazing against oh, his yeah. former team, but um, I think Nikola Mirotic has his nemesis in, in in the EuroLeague, and we see this now clearly. It's Will Thomas. He couldn't do uh, anything against Will Thomas in the playoff series against Zenit last year. He couldn't do much against Will Thomas in this game against Monaco as well. Will Thomas was the better player if we compare these two power forwards. So um, if some elite team needs to solve the Nikola Mirotic problem, thinking ahead, let's say thinking about the Final Four, Will Thomas is the guy. And in the NBA, you have teams making moves mainly just for one matchup that they can potentially mm-hmm, face in yeah. the playoffs. Let's say you sign PG Tucker because you believe he can do damage to Kevin Durant in that one series you're going to play. And these are kind of common things in the NBA offices where you just sit by with the numbers and you think this is the best guy to let's say try to stop KD or try to stop Steph Curry we might face them in the playoffs so we need to sign this veteran for his defensive abilities just for this one series. And it's not something being done in the Euroleague, but if it they should consider signing <laughs> Will Thomas. <laughs> if it could be done, Will Thomas should be the guy to stop Nikola Mirotic. Surely, but for,
0: surely you have some beef <laughs> with Mirotic. I mean, that's the second time we're talking. We, that's the second part
1: we're having, and again, no you're man, so against uh, Mirotic. No, he, he's playing great in the beginning of the season. Really, it's not that I don't like the player. He he's playing great and. Even in those games where he's struggling, he's still getting his numbers. Especially the ma- the game against Olympiacos, they had. But it's just that Will Thomas sort of became his nemesis. We know what happened against Zenit in the series. We saw what happened here in Monaco. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah. What I li- loved about Brandon Davis, uh, he looked terrible against Olympiakos. He just lost his head. But uh, the way how Filed he out. responded... Yeah. The way how he responded in the game against Monaco, I think it was his career night. Uh, but that, uh, let's say, game-saving uh, put-back uh, layup was uh, something different. And again, it tells a lot about... The personality of Brandon Davis. I mm, I actually think that he he might be a real candidate for the All year League first team uh, uh, center
1: position or something like that. If he keeps going like this, knowing that Nikola Milutinov is injured, maybe the best center. In well, the Tavares, of course, uh, is there <laughs> also
0: for for that award. But uh, knowing how much Shara's likes post up game, and in, there are many situations where he can use Brandon Davis and. But it,
1: it, it just come, comes down to this that with Charas, he knows against which teams Brandon Davis needs to be dominant, yeah. and he knows in which games it will be more difficult for him. So he will not be consistently putting crazy numbers like this against Monaco, but there will be some games with him, and his energy yeah, is always matchups. off the charts. But I wanted to give a shout out to another Barcelona player, actually, to their captain. Oriola. Piero Oriola, he's a Catalan playing for this team with heart and soul and making those game-winning free throws against Olympiacos because I I really didn't think he had it in him. His career numbers are 64%. He was 64. 64, yeah, yeah, 64%. And, I was surprised that he and made shots. And those both are charts. clutch free throws and I was thinking and I, I actually probably said that uh, covering this game if he makes one and ties this game, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because he's not a good free-throw shooter. But he stepped up and he made these two free-throws without a problem. So it, w- it was great to see that. And also another f- interesting thing from this game was uh, uh, Bartokas, how annoyed he was afterwards. And you saw in his post-game interview, because this season EuroLeague in the broadcast have interviews not only with the winning team's coach and, and the MVP and another player, but also the, the, the coach of the losing team. And bortzokas didn't want to answer any questions. He just finished his his r- remarks and said, in my opinion, we deserve to win this game. And then he went out. <laughs> so I think he was annoyed about the last foul call against Oriola, but either way... Maybe I, he could challenge that call? He didn't use the challenge? I'm rule? not so sure. I, I still didn't get used to this uh-huh. coach's challenge in, in Europe. Coaches are not using it actually, mm. barely using
0: it, because it was a questionable call, questionable situation, and maybe another
1: look, deeper look at the maybe situation he used it help. some time earlier. In it the was game. that time I'm when Oriola sure. was
0: like hanging off fo- a false uh, yeah, hand or something.
1: It, it was nobody's rebound, and, uh-huh. and and it was like Scrabble and 50 situation. Some, somehow called a foul, but you know what? At the same time, even if it is a questionable call, I believe in the end of the regular time there was a foul, Hassan Martin on on um, Hayes mm-hmm. going for the rebound. Oh, yes, of course. That was a, an obvious foul. So, yeah. No injustice here. Maybe you can be annoyed about some foul calls that Mirotić got. Uh, Vezinkov was playing against him and those were like superstar calls where you don't give the offensive foul to Mirotić for pushing Sasha Vezinkov, but you give the defensive foul for contact that, that goes afterwards. But... No, it was just a very physical game and I would say that uh, there's no no need to complain about the refereeing. Hey, but, but Olympiakos is back, right? Do you agree with Yes, of course. And I was saying just before the season yeah. that it will gonna be in the playoffs. They hyped them before th- the season. Th- that it will be in the playoffs and I was saying like eighth seed, maybe seventh.
0: Maybe even higher. But
1: yeah. but the way they're playing right now, the level of basketball, if everyone stays healthy, they have a deep roster, they could aim even higher. The only thing they like, I think, is um, shooters. Although they, pro, uh, they they started hitting shots uh, against Algeris. It was their best shooting night. Uh, they hit uh, a lot of three-pointers with a good percentage, but I don't think they have sharp shooters in their mm. team. Like, all those elite teams usually have a shooting guard that is a pure shooter. For example, Barca having uh, Kalkuric in this position. Olympiacos have a lot of good defensive players, they have one of the best pick-and-roll players in Costas Lucas, they can go very big with Mustafa Fal, they can um, play switch-all defense with Hassan Martin with his mobility and athleticism. Sasha Vezenkov is is gonna play his career season. It's very obvious. Dorse is a great addition. Dorse is a great addition. Walkup is a great addition. They can pressure the ball. They can play very good on-ball defense. Both of them. They have a complete. Roster, so it's actually. it's it's a complete roster. I I just think they're one shooter away from being a potential final four team. You mean probably specialists,
0: right? Yeah. Because I mean all these guys specialist. like uh, Vezenkov, uh, Slukas, even Laranzakis like this addition uh, Dorsey, They are solid shooters, really. Decent, but, I would say. Yeah, but they're kind of missing Kyle Kuric type of shooter, probably. Yes, right? because, Something
1: you like know, that. you saw in a double week, the game against Barcelona where they were missing these spot-up mm-hmm. shots. Papa Nicola was missing them. They were taking, Barca was taking risks on McKissi going under the screens and he was missing. Other players were missing three-pointers. Only Janulis Laranzakis hitting a crazy buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. But they were missing three-pointers. In In other games they won, they were also missing wide-open spot-up shots, but they won because of their amazing defense. They just trashed Pasconia, allowing only 50 points. And then in the second game of the double-week against Ralgris, they were hitting those spot-up shots. So I don't see a lot of consistency consistency Mm -hmm. in in this department, and I think this is not a very good three-point shooting team. But it is a winning team either way, because on defense, I think they will be top three in in defensive ratings this season. This is just a team. Yeah, they're
0: already allowing only 66 points per game. It's a
1: team with character. All these players, they are hungry. They are fighters. And you
0: don't and see any weak spots like with Spanulis, you always had the target on his back, and it was a uh, you know you you were obviously attacking Olympiakos through Spanulis. Now we don't we cannot see any player like that uh, with very uh, with all these weaknesses and stuff. And but you know talking about these three pointers, yeah, they're one of the worst uh, shooting uh, teams, only making thirty three uh, percent of uh, three pointers. But at the same time, there shows that there's still a lot of potential because, uh, for example, um, even with all these, let's say, shooters, uh, I mean, they can be better than walk up shooting. 11% uh, from Priest. Lucas, he's only shooting 32%. Bezenkov, 31. I mean, even with this roster, they can, make, uh, they can have yeah, better they can have be better, I agree. And it's, it shows that they have even more potential to be even better. So. Yeah, they have more potential to
1: be better on offense. Yes, yes, yes. On because defense, in defense, on defense, they defense, they have they are, everything. They're so. already great, they're already set. And. <laughs> It might not be a big problem in the regular season. They will get their wins Mm -hmm. and they could get a good spot. But it might be a problem when you play this decisive game in the playoffs or in the final four where where it comes down to shooting, where it comes down to whether the guy that they are leaving in the corner and Slukas is playing a pick and roll and making that corner pass, will he be able to hit that shot? And that's just the only reason I cannot say Olympiakos is a final four team right now, but the level they're playing, it's, wow, it's great. It, it's great to see them because it, it it was kind of sad after they won these championships with this core of the team, with Printezes, with Spanulis, with with Slukas before he left uh, for Fenerbahce, with these good coaches. Uh, they had uh, uh, Dusanivkovic, they had Parcokas winning, then they had Sviropoulos coaching, and there was a, such a downfall, mm-hmm. so much chaos. They were not playing in the National League. Uh, the signings they they made. Ownership problems. The ownership the problems. They were signing random American money players. Money stolen from their safe. It was so sad to see a big club like this with so much tradition struggling, mm. being somewhere in the bottom half of the League and signing random players and this season, finally, they are back. Really, I agree with Charas 100%. Olympiakos is back in the elite, and they would be tough to beat for anybody.
0: So we are not surprised that they started the season with three wins. We, we are not surprised about Real, CSKA, Zenit having three wins. But you had
1: something to say about Asvel, right? They also 3-1. Free, free uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I predicted them being <laughs> in the last place, so...
0: Tony Parker predicted them being down low because even and before the season, before the first game of the season, uh, randomly I saw an article in, in French media, I uh, translated it, and Tony Parker was kind of, you know, saying to the fans that, hey, do not expect anything from this. It's going to be a very tough season and we will have, you know, to survive that season. But now they're starting the season like that. So it's, it's nice, but I'm not losing uh, my you, head again. Yeah, because I
1: mean... <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say that they're fighting for the playoffs. Yeah. They they will probably, in the end, be somewhere 15th, 16th. But the potential they're showing, this is this is really positive. And a lot of credit to coach TJ Parker, of course. Yeah. A lot of credit to Tony Parker and to the whole organization for being able to find the right players. Uh, for example, point guard position. Okobo, Chris Jones. We, we have, like our problems with Emmanuel Moody, we gambled, we, we made a risk. Osfeld went out there and signed Chris Jones, who was a role player from Maccabi. And now the way he's playing for Osfeld, he looks like uh, the EuroLeague version of Kyle Lowry. Yeah. The pit bull, the bully, bully guard. He loves to have the ball in his hands. He has this... Um, Crazy shooting technique, but it works for him. And he's a good point guard, good fit for this uh, team. Because, uh, of course, uh, Aswell, they they are always looking for athletic players, for tough physical players. And replacing Mustafa fal with Yusuf Fahl is a good idea, of course. And El is is, is going to be the next Gershanya Yabusele story. I'm 100% convinced about this. Um, he, he, he had his... Opportunity in the NBA didn't work for him. He signed with us. Well, he started the season great. He's a left-handed, skilled guard who loves to drive to the basket. At the same time, being a good shooter, his numbers are crazy: sixty-two percent from two-point spot, 53% percent free pointers. He's scoring sixteen point five. I can easily game. see him in
0: Maccabi, for example, the next so season. So
1: my my opi- in my opinion. Real Madrid having a lot of success with French players and oh, yeah, guys especially. like Fabian Coser, Rudy Fernandez getting older, Elio Cobo, He's there. He's playing amazing basketball, and you s- you see his skills. He's still very young. He's gonna be 24 in in four days. Okay, he's October super 20, young. 20 is his birthday. So, <laughs> wow, what a signing! And like I said, it's the next Gershon Buselli story where. Um, A French player that didn't really fit in the NBA came back to Europe to play for for Aswell in EuroLeague, had a breakthrough season, and then signed a, a great contract with Real Madrid, so I expect something similar with Eli Okobo.
0: Yeah, and they were lucky with some uh, players. For example, I didn't expect that uh, Antetokounmpo will make uh, such an impact. He's uh, scoring 8 points in 14 minutes and he's really making an impact and made an impact in some games. Santa
1: Antetokounmpo proves to everybody that in order to be good at basketball, you don't really need to be able to play basketball. Yeah. You need to be a good athlete. You need to be Antetokounmpo. You need to be a good athlete. Be smart, listen to your coaches have a good work ethic because you cannot say that Costa Kostas is very talented uh, with the ball in his hands he cannot do much but he plays a lot of picker rolls. he gets some offensive rebounds therefore he scored 14 from 17 two-pointers barely missing any and he can play switch all defense with his athleticism he can guard all five positions and it, it works for us well you can start games with Yusuf Afal, then you can switch to Costas and Tete They added a veteran, James Gist, as well. Um, and don't forget, they got three wins playing without two of their potential uh, starting, f- oh, yes. starting line of players. David I mean, Leite. Raymar Morgan, yeah. who's a solid forward, and David Lighty, who has been there with us well, for the last couple of years, and and he's a proven scorer. And they were they were out injured and they, they are still winning these games. So a lot of credit to TJ Parker. A lot of credit to uh,
0: Aswell announcer. You know, he's the best in this business. Uh, <laughs> Pierre Zalsman Crochet. I think that's his name.
1: Well, their home games are like a disco. <laughs> yeah.
0: So many tunes from the 90s, <laughs> the 80s. Uh, And (laughs) that announcing, he's doing everything by himself. He's not only pronouncing the game, but he has the DJ set. He's doing all the music. Uh, Before COVID times, he was uh, going on the court, making Sertake dances and stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, that guy
1: is the best in this
0: business, really.
1: And it may sound funny, but for a good organization, things like this, they add. Of course they add, they add to the chemistry to the energy level in the in the building for the fans and even for the team playing at home when you see a guy like this going crazy for this club for this team even it, it, even it gives in the you 20, yeah. extra
0: Ands's uh, right his uh, pre-game uh, stuff uh, all these screams uh, his pre-game routine <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's <it's> crazy, crazy. <laughs> he, he he goes crazy but at the same time, he cheers up the crowd. And uh, I, I remember that even the EuroLeague made some um, short video about him, you know, inspiring the crowd and stuff like that. So it's it's great to have such personalities. Yeah,
1: when, when you have passion in, in your club, it doesn't matter which position, it, it, whether it's the inter- entertainer, or or just someone on yeah, the staff. Unless your it's, it's owner good, is it's too good good to passionate some passion. about some stuff, yeah. you
0: know. So it, always you have to keep some balance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Y- passion has to go alongside Rational. sharp sharp thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And CSK, you mentioned them already. I think we should talk about them a little bit more. Mm. Um, once again. at Dimitri Satusis is facing a lot of challenges, and uh, people could say that he is coaching the richest club in, in Euroleague that can buy almost any player, and and blah blah blah. But it's a difficult position for any coach in any team when you're losing consistently, losing your key players due to injuries, and it just happened so that Nikola Milutinov was about to play his comeback season, and he got hurt second minute. Yeah. Of the first game against Milano. Okay, so they're now without Nikola Milutinov. So they have to change the way they play. They start playing with Shingelia and Voitman in the fourth and five positions. Voitman sort of starts playing like Nikola Jokic with his passing (laughs) skills and and making three-point shots. Shingelia also making shots, I I haven't seen this dominant player for a while in the EuroLeague. 33 points, career-high scoring night against Zenit. Uh, he was just making players like Jordan Mickey, Chris Singleton, or Adrian Moorman look like kids. He was beating them. Oh my God, he was just playing as a true no, alpha a male dominant a player. And I was thinking, this is Tornika Schengeli playing for the MVP this season. And then what happens? He's out for two months. At least two months. At least two months. Wow. Of course, they they added Kenneth Farid, and and we should talk about him a little bit. Um, We shouldn't have any fantasies that it's the the manimal, the Kenneth Farid from the good old Denver Nuggets days. Or 2014 World Cup, where he was the MVP. Yeah, so these days are gone. It's not like he's old, he's 31, but he hasn't played at the highest level for a long time. At least he, for two years. He had a short stint for the Houston Rockets in 2018-19 season. He was okay uh, in, in that short period. But recently, he only played in Puerto Rico for a month. And, yeah. and in 2019, he played in China. Yeah. So when they signed him, uh, at that time, we still didn't know about uh, Shingelia's injury. And I thought, okay, so he's a good backup. He might be better than Bolon I could see him in Europe being a good pick-and-roll player, getting rebounds, playing with Alexis Schwed, with Lundberg, with Hackett. It could work for him Switching like… Switching in defense yeah, to center s- Yeah, switch boost. all defense with, with his athleticism. He will need some time to adjust. But uh, in the end, I could see him being uh, a great backup center for 12 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But now, with all these injuries… You could say that he needs to play more. He needs to cover like 20 minutes or even more. Is he is he ready for this? Is, is he going to be good enough in in EuroLeague environment? He had his debut in the uh, United League. Against Parma.
0: He didn't play a lot. Yeah, I watched that game. I watched uh, that game only because of uh, Farid. He played 11 minutes, 0 points, uh, 0 from 1 field goals. Uh, he missed 2 free throws. Three rebounds, two turnovers, two fouls. He was super physical, uh, super active in the post. He didn't uh, get uh, a lot of touches, uh, but at least you now he was putting a lot of effort. Um, sometimes he was, of course, you can see that he will need uh, a lot of time to adjust because he he was mm, like sometimes he was lost in defense and stuff like that. Uh, he he didn't look good in some situations against uh, Parakhuski. Uh, but I, 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 see, I see a lot of potential I mean uh, as a let's say power physical uh, player he, he runs in in the transition and he's like uh, first to, to grab the rebound and he's like first uh, to be under the basket of the opposing uh, team and stuff so he will be nice addition no big expectations uh, at all but um, energy guy coming off the bench it will be okay for, for the team like Cesc at least for two months to wait uh, for Schengelia to come back and the and best thing is that he's
1: coming back like in two or three weeks probably uh,
0: Yeah, so that's the best part about Milton of injury because, again, it looked very bad. I thought that we have him done for the season, so at least uh, it's
1: not that uh, serious. Well, now they're left with Bolonboy, with Farid, uh, who who will need more time to understand the EuroLeague and and Dimitri Situdis because it's a completely new environment for him. Although Kenneth Farid looks like a very um, motivated guy. Mm -hmm on the court and probably off the court. So I hope he's willing to learn and to play basketball in a different way than than, than he has been playing his whole career. Uh, but I still see, see him as a 12-minute player on, on the yeah. CSK roster. So now they're left with him, with Bolon Boy, with Voigtman, who can play four and five. And uh, inevitably... Itudis will have to either push Clyburn to the fourth position at times, or or Kubanov, or he will have to uh, to trust Simon Antonov a little a little bit. They have Ivlev who could play doesn't sound th- good. <laughs> well, he could <laughs> play three minutes, make two good fouls, and and go back to the bench just as long as he can give some rest to to the main guys. Uh, but my idea is that right now, while they're waiting for Toko Shengelia to come back, for Nikola Milutinov to come back. Alexi Schwedt gets to be himself. Somebody has to provide scoring to this team. We saw that in the beginning of the season they were playing a lot of post-ups. Post-ups from almost every position. Will Clyburn, Schengelia. They were concentrating their offense in the paint. Scoring from the paint, being aggressive, drawing fouls. They will still pre- play through Clyburn, of course. He will have his post ups uh, and he will have his numbers. But right now with the big guys injured, I see the guards, the ones that have to step up in scoring department. And Alexis Schwed, he already showed this in the last game against Vesda. He can do this for CSK. Of course, He did it. Maybe all he his will career. have some terrible shooting nights, but this is the time. Now, all the bigs like Bolombo or Reed, they're, they're the bigs that will set screens for they're you. They're helpers. They're not guys like Shingeli or Milutinov that can be dominant. They will be setting screens for you, and you will have to take those shots. If Lundberg ha- has a good start of a season, his numbers are good. Um, Daniel Hockett is getting back to shape. Don't uh, forget that Marius, uh, Marius Grigonis is, so. is still injured, of course. So it's a loss. But um, in this situation, for them to get wins, I think Alexis Schwed will have to score 15-16 points per game, taking a lot more shots than than he has been taking uh, in, in these first four matches. Guys, just a
0: quick reminder. Our bonus is available on all major streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Uh, just write our bonus in, in the search bar and make sure to follow us uh, so you don't miss out our future episodes. Also, do not forget to visit basketnews.com where you will find the latest European basketball news and exclusive content. Uh, Probably it will be interesting also it will be interesting to watch who they will sign uh, for their backcourt because if you remember they were looking for some addition especially in NBA team camps they were looking for some uh, cuts. There was some information about them uh, being interested in Isaiah Thomas. If I remember well Thomas kind of uh, denied these rumors yeah. but from what I've heard there were conversations with Isaiah he was pretty interested in in coming to Moscow but he re- received a late Exhibit 10 contract so he decided to remain in states now there are some rumors about uh, Vildoza about Wanamaker but the thing is that Vildoza is just after his surgery and he will need another month or two to come back and his goal is to stay in the NBA and Wanamaker as far as I heard uh, due to personal reasons due to family reasons he's not uh, Looking for the European comeback, so uh, the point guard, the guard market is is pretty dry. But again, when you when you see it says Car Oster, you don't feel like you're lacking of uh, backup players they, at
1: all. I don't think they need to rush. If a good option comes up, yeah, like and they're let's not say in December or January, they can make a signing then. Because right now, what I see is uh, Lumberg playing playing solid basketball. Uh, Alexis Schwed, his last game against Vesda, he played 30 minutes. His uh, percentage from the field was six from nine. It's a good percentage, above 50. Um, Five assists, no turnovers, 25 uh, effective. Effectively. That's the how, game, how is it called? Uh, uh, index player index rating? Player index rating, yeah. This is so, the game, uh, this is the way how this once Shved to play. And the way he has to play now that there's no Shengelia because in these first four games, Schengelia was the player having the ball in his hands the most. He was making drives, facing basket, he mm. was playing back to the basket, he was taking jump shots, he was going to the free throw line a lot. And he was making more touches than the guards in this team. Now the guards will have to play the way they are used to. And I'm not saying Alexis Schwed gets to play the way he did in Himki. Oh, no. <laughs> not like that. But just he gets more responsibility and more shooting opportunities. Which could be great for him and for the team as well in this short uh, period in, in f- for a month or for a couple of months. Even with these injuries, knowing that Dimitri Cetutis always finds a solution... I don't think they're going to be losing many games. Maybe they will lose like, let's say, they're facing Olympiacos right now. Olympiacos looks in a good shape, maybe. But then again, I I could see them winning against those teams. They Mm -hmm. should win. And they will just have to grind a little bit more. Grind those victories. The way they did against Vesda, winning 78-76. They had to fight for it. Cervantes Vesda is a tough team. And they managed. I like them. Mm, I like
0: Zvezda. Oh, yeah, we should talk about I love like the way how they beat Maccabi. They didn't leave them no hope. And the way they built that win was through physicality. This is the most physical team. Uh, I saw in the EuroLeague uh, so far, uh, they're patient, they're physical, they're fighting, and they're grinding to every win they can uh, have. Okay, they're not perfect 2-2 two and two so far, but I mean, they're doing the best. But when you lose
1: in Moscow by two points, yes, and, yes, and yes, you yes. lose in uh, Istanbul against Fenner 57-61 in a tight game, you cannot say that these were like bad losses for yeah. Cervantes Vesda, and they only played one home game so far they they played in Stark Arena against Algeiris great atmosphere mm-hmm. um, I, I believe they haven't played with this, with this crowd for like 19 months during Something the like pandemic 2 years so it's a Something long like time and they were in the Stark Arena the fans were going crazy and it's 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 very important of course for Cervenas Zvezda. and i said in the in our previous podcast that i liked the, the players they signed and Aaron White is still injured. Austin Holland's barely even played because, because of his problems. And they are still they don't getting, have a center? They, yeah, Mike Zirbis is out. I think this team needs a mobile center. If they could add someone like Josh Nebo from Shalgiris, mm. it could be a big game changer for, for them. This sort of style uh, player, like who can switch on defense, who can play pick and rolls with Nate Walters. Because Nate Walters looks very good in the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, like a true point guard. He's he is their, their leader, I would say, alongside Nikola Kalinic. And this team is just built for fighting. This team is built with forwards, like Davidovac, mm-hmm. Kalinic, uh, Simonovic, these long guys with long hands, long arms that can guard multiple positions they can be very physical put a lot of pressure on the ball and the way you saw the game against Zalgiris they played at home Um, it was a tight game for a long time but then 38 minutes it's just like they push the button they only have two team fouls so they start choking Zalgiris it was extreme level of physicality Mm -hmm. and they break the game this way so I love Servenas Vesda actually for their fighting spirit. As I said before, Dan Radonich doesn't seem a good coach when he goes abroad, but he's a very good coach when he works with Vesda here in Belgrade. Uh, I don't think they will be in real contention for the playoffs. No, no. But it will be team, but team to beat. with players coming back, if they sign a center at some time in the season, with Nate Walter staying healthy... I think they will be very competitive, extremely competitive. Maybe even a top 10 team, why not?
0: Yeah, and uh, as I mentioned, they look—they uh, made Maccabi look uh, so bad. And they, I, I watched two games of Maccabi so far. Uh, and I don't like a lot of things about Maccabi uh, so far, uh, especially against uh, Zvezda. I mean, their physicality, it seems like they didn't expect that kind of, the level of physicality as Vesda bring uh, to that game in Tel Aviv. But they were not smart in these uh, physical uh, plays. They were pushed around. Uh, they were not fighting for uh, every ball. For example, you can see, uh, especially Jalen Reynolds, I'm kind of surprised about his body language in the beginning of the season, although he's providing some numbers, but he's, no, he's struggling. sometimes he's just walking on the court. He's not fighting at all, and he's he's just switching off uh, during the game and, um, and a lot of comes in Israel you can see there are a lot of uh, criticism on uh, Sferopoulos uh, people saying that he's on the hot seat and stuff like that but before trying to fire the coach I would mm, suggest every player to look at the mirror and uh, to think about if they, you know, put all the effort
1: uh, to make this team better. And I don't see that answer. Uh. Well, I am disappointed with Maccabi, of course, because I said uh, I'm expecting a good season from them. I I expect actually this team to make the playoffs. I hope that this last win against Aswell in in Fra- France will calm down the Environment a little bit, although they lost in the Israeli championship at yeah, uh, I against didn't, Galil Ademar well, I think, yeah, of course, you know that Euro League is the priority right of now. Of course, it just to, doesn't be, help. to be honest. They should have lost the first game against Bayern Munich, it's just that sh- uh, that Scotty Wilbeck started playing some hero ball in the fourth quarter, and Trincheri came short handed with a lot of injuries and problems. Mm. and Bayern Munich should have stolen this yeah, game, yeah. Maccabi just won it 69-68, so at least they did that. But against Veszprem and Armani, as you said, they couldn't match their physicality. My impression is that uh, maybe they didn't have a good preseason and a lot of players are just out
0: of shape. The thing is that they had COVID and most of the team was out of yeah, game rhythm. and th- This could be the reason. I think this is the... Real good, really good explanation why they're struggling in the beginning of the season and why they should be more patient with the team and coach uh, Sferopoulos. because I remember I was interviewing uh, Nikola Vucic and he mentioned, he calculated that Maccabi, before that game against Milan, Maccabi had seven full team practices compared Mm. to something... From thirty to forty in other teams, so that's a huge difference, and that explains a lot when you see all the all these players lacking of chemistry in the court, lacking of as well as uh, sma- smart smart physical condition. Yeah, physical condition it's, is it's it not like terrible. Ta- so tactical; it's just physical. With all these circumstances, having two and two in the beginning of the season is actually a good uh, result for. It's Maccabi. not the worst, yeah, oh for yeah, for
1: sure. And you know, against Asvel, well, there were a lot of positives in this game. James Newley having a great shooting night and and James Nunnally is probably one of their go-to guys he he is playing in a different role than he had in in Angel Kobradovich's team in, in Fenerbahce has the ball in his hands a lot more playing in China didn't break him he's not a bad player He's not a worse player than he was before leaving to China, so James Nunnally is a great uh, addition for them. He scored 25 against us as well. Finally, some positives from Keenan Evans, another new signing, having a 13-point game. And now Maccabi will have a very important uh, stretch of games because they're going to play three in a row at home. They're going to play uh, Panathinaikos, then Zalgiris, and then Barcelona. They need to win two at least, at least two of these three games. At least two. And by saying that, I mean, even if they lose one, probably against Barcelona, I would expect them to at least fight in this game and be in the game. Um, if they do that, I still believe they can fix this season. It's it's nothing. Yeah, they to, just have to be patient. It's, it's not a nightmare too, too okay, so you just need some more time probably to get in shape as a team.
0: Yeah, some, some, some sources, sources suggest that Sviropoulos is in the hot uh, seat, that Maccabi is looking on some available coaches, but...
1: Uh, I would be very disappointed. Yeah, yeah, you cannot lose your I head. I think Sviropoulos deserves some credit, uh, some time and a chance because uh, before pandemic, Maccabi was playing a great season. They were fighting for the fourth spot against CSK. Uh, Scotty Wilbekin was a good leader everything was okay and Sviropoulos uh, you saw that he did a lot of good things with his team especially on defense the last year so many difficulties where coach just couldn't do a lot it it wasn't down to Sviropoulos he couldn't control yeah. some of these things uh, well, they, limited budget limited uh, budget, COVID
0: f- fucked up preseason with COVID with so, late signings yeah, and stuff
1: Yeah, it and was not up, up to him and something's happening this year also. Yeah, yeah. What can he do about COVID situations? Again, he's he the doesn't... last
0: to, to be blamed.
1: I, I don't this think we should be f- thinking about uh, firing Fireopolis. He deserves a chance. But Jargiris made, made a move. So the first party, one, yeah. to be honest, I expected uh, to see the first coaching changes whether in Kazan or in Baskonia. I thought that mm. these are two hot seats where I, I think that... Neither Perasovic or uh, Ivkovic, uh, Ivanovic, I'm sorry, my mistake, uh, are safe. And I still think both of these Mm. old-school coaches are not really safe in their positions, especially Perasovic seeing the last game. But Dralgir is making the move so early. Wow, that was a bomb. And what do you think about it? Well... I think it was inevitable that Martin Schiller will, will, will be replaced at some point. I just didn't think it's going to happen in October. However, I think they, I, I, and I said this all along, they made questionable signings and mm-hmm. mistakes preparing for this season. And for, the, for these low-budget teams to fix their mistakes in autumn and winter is so difficult. And okay, you changed the coach. You went back from experiments with MBA system, with American type of coaching to European school of coaching with Jures Dofts. Balkan school of coaching, uh, old
0: school of coaching.
1: Yeah, so that's the true European coaching style. Like this is this like the stereotype of mm-hmm. what you imagine when you talk about European coaches, the old school European coaches. I haven't seen Dofts. Uh, for a while, I haven't seen his teams recently in France, for example, but okay, it's 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 not the main topic. I just think that two or three roster changes are still needed for them to be competitive in EuroLeague this season. And time is ticking. Games are coming one after another. They're losing games one after another. The double week, what could the coach do in this double week? He had like one or two practices with a team that's the interesting point there is some stereotype that
0: when you make a sudden coaching change uh, oh it can make an impulse uh, you know a, a positive influence for the team kind of a shock and stuff like that but I think it's overrated because when we saw Judas Dov's example he was saying oh I don't even know all the plays of this team I always have to be uh, to consult my assistances uh, or I didn't have any practice to fix uh, uh, things." so I think he just mm, I mean is uh, front office just Put the coach on on fire, uh, let's say, and it didn't help it, his team al- at all.
1: <sighs> well, let's remember. I mean, I, let's I, remember who they played. They played Zvezda away and Olympiakos away. I don't see any difference with Schiller or with Doft. Both of these games were losses. Uh, especially knowing that in Greece they played with Austrilnics, uh, Laverne and Yankunas. Maybe with Schiller they would have been. Blown out in both of these games by 30 points. I don't know. Who at, knows? Uh, maybe they would be even more competitive.
0: I, if I remember well, the I last year they had a great success against Zvezda, even with Radunic. Yeah, they
1: had great success. No, uh, I think it was Sasha Bradovic still coaching them at that time. At, in first game. Yeah. First the game. Second game, I think it was But, a you know, place. let's not talk about what happened yeah, last yeah. season. Last season for Zalgiris, it was a different story. It was a different team with with players like Grigonis, Hayes, World mm. up. The key for me is not the coach. They changed the coach. Okay, so maybe Juras dofts will make some right moves, will will make some right changes. You will see them playing better defense. But this roster is not good enough. The signings they made in the summer, who's responsible for this? Is it Matiunas, Is it Schiller? Who has to take responsibility? I think it's both. Very questionable signings and but the d- decisions. That's the worst part for me. I'm not
0: questioning the timing of uh, firing Martin Schiller but this early firing of Schiller shows how huge mistake it was in summer to give him more or less full control. And you bring
1: his assistance.
0: Exactly. His own assistance. So, uh, you bring uh, his
1: assistance and you you sack him after two games.
0: Exactly. Uh, letting some Lithuanian players uh, go away, which could be some role players, in Gretis, letting him signing Tyler Cavanaugh for a contract, which is f- at least for two years guaranteed, signing all these players like Gify and stuff. And now you, you have to change the coach probably some of the assistant uh, coaching staff members, also to make at least two or three roster changes. I mean, that's a terrible situation, I think.
1: And Juras Dofts was announced the same day. Uh, they announced uh, yeah. that uh, they're parting ways with Martin Schiller, which means they probably had talks with Juras Dofts after the very first game yeah. in, in Villarbon. M- Martin told that
0: they were considering um, having a coaching change for a week. So after the first round loss. So you give him all the control in summer and then after the first regular week of the regular season, you just fire him. I just, it's just bad. It's just really bad. And it's
1: normal for a team like Jalgiris to have at least one bad season in, in Euroleague where they struggle, where they finish like 16th, 17th or even dead last. You know their budget and you know that uh, teams like Alba, Asvel, they can have a season like this as well, but it's just the way you play this season and why this happens, which is really frustrating in Jalgiris. And now we're talking about Emmanuel Moody, for example, which was a risk, a gamble. Do you believe that it can work out for him with Jures Dofts? Mm,
0: I'm not sure. I mean, I, I doubt that he can be successful. Because we were already having Doubts before uh, yeah. his uh, debut in, in Jargres, And Zdawts is completely different coach. Uh, and Moody is a completely different point guard when actually Zdawts needs, because Dovts <laughs> likes disciplined basketball. Uh, he likes to have true floor generals uh, who can involve the players. And he likes defense, he emphasizes yeah. defense. Emmanuel <laughs> Moody cannot fit any of these uh,
1: categories. On defense, he, uh, from what I know and what I see, he, he can be good at least in one-on-one defense. But in let's see, defensive rotations, he just doesn't know what he's doing. He, he, he was already terrible in
0: one-on-one defense, uh, actually. So and I, I'm
1: not sure why because he has all the tools, but he just does, doesn't have that instinct instinct okay. for defense. Um, and, you know, people could say that he had a decent game against Olympiacos. Maybe it's like a breakthrough game. I don't think so. What I think is that he made his first two jump shots in the beginning of the game, which led to him having a good stat line in this particular game, where Zalgiris was actually shorthanded without Janis Trelniks with limited options either way. It just comes down to him making these first two jump shots because if he, he if those shots didn't fall... I would think he, he'd had a same game or a similar game to the one in Zvezda or, or Zenit or any other that we saw this season. I, I don't really believe actually that it, it, it will work out for him and, and Zalgiris. And the sooner they can make the decision, the better. But the point guard market for them with, with limited money, what can they sign right now?
0: I have no idea. That's the worst part. And now they're official looking for a big. Uh I heard that uh, Noel Pell from the NBA uh, at least was on the list of Jaggris, but that interest, interest is very slight. Mm-hmm. Uh then uh, there is Jordan Bell and I think that Jargris had a,
1: The guy who played for the Warriors? Uh, Jordan Bell?
0: I think so. Yeah. He's a good player. He's a good player, but I'm not sure about that fit. Uh, I don't. Sh- I'm not sure if that's the player which Jagr needs right now. Well, in he could position. be
1: another guy that can switch everything on defense. Let's Still see. You already like, have hell Josh hell. Nebo, who is doing, who is having
0: good strides in Jagr. I, I think that they need a different.
1: I don't know what this uh, Doft's conception of of a power forward. Does he need a stretch four? Does he need a more classical power forward? It, uh, because in, in my opinion, Žalgiris don't need to sign a pure center right now. I mm. think they would need someone agree. who can play in both positions, four and five. I agree, but the thing is that actually Dots
0: likes bigs uh, who can mm, stretch the floor, who can make mid-range shots or even uh, three-pointers. So Jordan Bell has no jump shot? That's the thing, and neither Pell uh, or, or other candidates, so... We'll see. The, also, yesterday, Emiliano Carcia from Sportando uh, reported that possessions Pasečniks is one of the candidates to join Jaligris and is large, largely considered by Jaligris, But our colleague Jonas Miklo was denied the rumor, saying that Jaligris has no interest in signing him. So it will take time. It will be interesting to see what we'll, they will add. I agree with you that they need more versatile power forward center in this position. But what? Two or three roster
1: moves you would make, which positions you would change? Place Emmanuel Moutier with a true point guard with European basketball experience. And with defense. Because yeah.
0: any backcourt player of Jargris can play. And with any, defense. Any no,
1: defense. No physicality in this team. As I said from, from the from the first no day, no physicality, I said that nothing. this is a group of nice guys. Nice guys don't win in the Euroleague. Um, so yeah. Someone like this. Someone like Chris Jones, as I said, <laughs> from us well. Uh, then, um, of course, someone who can play at 4 and 5 positions. In addition to what there is already, knowing that Geoffrey Laverne is out for some time. And I would do anything possible to somehow Ship Tyler Cavanaugh somewhere to find a club that could take his contract and add another four, another power forward which fits Jura's Doff's conception. Because Tyler Cavanaugh is not Doff's player. He was not good actually under Martin Schiller in these very mm-hmm. first games. He's soft on defense. The only thing he can do is make some spot up shots. It's not enough for he's not a physical, Euroleague he's team. Not athletic, uh, and so if I could replace him, also add someone big on top of that to play in the four and five positions and replace Emmanuel Moody with a point guard. I could live with that, but I would still see Zalgiris. I mean, I would see them getting some wins, but I would still see them somewhere on the bottom of the list. And that is strange for me. What is the idea for a club like this firing a coach after two games? Especially you expecting? Switching You're all expecting the, ideo- to make the ideologies? Playoffs? You're expecting to save the season? What? Well, what do you know? So that their is goal the is to win all here? the games and to make the playoffs, which is which sounds crazy. Well, they're not doing this anyway with Zoff, with Schiller, with Phil Jackson, with Mike D'Antoni, or any other coach. I'm what not sure. What about Ataman? <laughs> what would Coach <laughs> okay, Ataman if would say? If his son will prepare a good game station. plan, <laughs> <laughs> then okay. But in general, it just seems to me like. Uh, it's a hangover after Shara's era. Last season was sort of okay. 17 wins. We are happy. We all, we still have these good players from Shara's times. And now it's the true hangover, hangover of Shara's era where this organization doesn't really know where their limits are, what they're reaching for, what they're doing, what they're signing, whether they're trusting their coach or not. It seems that... Are they playing young players in, or not, for in example? In the summer, they're trusting him. Now, all of a sudden, it's October. They lose two games in Hispanic mode. It's a team full of veterans. It doesn't matter whether it will whether be dofts or some other coach next season. You have Kalnietis, Jankunas, Milaknis, Strelniks, veteran players... Uh, you will have six or seven roster changes le- next year also. It's a lot of chaos and I, I think it's a hangover for Zalgiris and, and for Paulus Matiunas.
0: By the way, you mentioned uh, Strelniks, and uh, actually um, I got some emails from one Latvian fan who uh, requires us and especially you to apologize for uh, wo- um, calling uh, Janis Strelniks washed up uh, player. <laughs>
1: I, did I say washed up? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he, I still think he's an injury-prone player, which is proven. Yeah, that's true. He's he's good. He can play good we pick and roll, and he can skill. make shots. Yeah.
0: I just. But he's not. If he's playing only every second game, that's already a huge problem
1: for Jargris because Jargris cannot afford main <laughs> yeah. shooting guard. If you sign Janis Strelniks for your EuroLeague team to be a role player, to be a helper. It's okay. But if Janis Treljniks is your number one option on offense, your number one ball handler, your team is doomed. He's going to miss at least 10 games in the regular season because of injuries. He's not going to be shooting so amazing like he did in, in the first games, hitting some shots. Yeah, like, so, like 70 60%. Buzzer, buzzer beaters and off, off one leg. I have nothing against him. He's a good player. He's a good basketball player. He's He's a a good good, guy It's just that with the players that Jalgis already has, replacing Mairos Grigonis with Yanis next is not a good idea, in my opinion. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize if I said washed up. Maybe those were not the right words. I apologize for that, really. It could sound a little bit offensive. Yeah. Sorry. And talking about
0: uh, these roster moves, uh, I agree, uh, but it's so complicated because when we talk about the point guard which would involve other players, which would be also great in defense, then I would be missing a real scorer. If you add, let's say, Thomas Volkop kind of player, you're still missing scorer at this uh, shooting guard position. You're expecting Lakavichus to be the scorer,
1: Mm, Strelniks to be healthy. That's a problem. Uh, You know,
0: Zalgiris doesn't, Jalgis. Jalgis doesn't <laughs> have the to budget
1: say. to solve their mistakes, yeah. to fix their mistakes from the from the summer. They can just cover them a little bit, but it will not solve everything. And at least I like some things. Let's say Juris Dofts knows what he what he he's doing with Mantas Kalnietis, oh, yeah. Martin Schiller. He didn't know what kind of player Kalnietis is. He was playing him at a two position. He was just standing somewhere in the corner, not having the ball in his hands, at least with Zdovts. He he has this classical European point guard, so he can play a lot of pick and rolls have yeah, the ball he's in playing his hands. a lot of pick and rolls with, Nebo, with Nebo. And they're great. So at least I like some of these things, some of these details. It, it could get better because now they're having more practices, so he, yeah. uh, Jure Zdovts will start to implement his own plays, his playbook, his system... It's okay, I'm not judging him as a coach from these two games they played with Zvezda and Olympiakos. I understand the circumstances.
0: Even Olanovas, for example, we were missing his post-up uh, the situation. The very first possession. The, first
1: possession. the very exactly. first possession of yeah, Dofts yeah, yeah. in Žalgiris <laughs> was Olanovas in the post. <laughs> the yes, second sir. game against Olympiakos. <laughs> the second
0: minute of the game and Olanovas is making some post-up oh, yeah. moves. Oh, of course, yeah. he's still lacking of confidence and uh, he he needs to do something with all these three-point shots, he cannot shoot uh, beyond the arc uh, after dribbling and stuff like that, he's not that player, what he's trying to be but again, at least, I mean Zdowski is the coach uh, who's all about uh, having clear roles, disciplined, organized basketball, so he will find uh, good spots for all these players he has, but there's, there's still a lot of adjustments away. I mean, roster moves and away from having a good roster.
1: Wrapping, wrapping up, oh, you have something. Yeah, I just,
0: uh, I would add, uh, not just you know flipping Tyler Cavanaugh to another um, power forward. I would probably combine. I would ship both Cavanaugh and Giffey for, let's say, a better power forward. Because I
1: like Giffey, to be honest. He, I'm not a huge fan of him. Well, actually. to me, he's a decent small forward uh, with a good spot up shot and he's not very bad on defense he can play multiple positions i think that not he's not uh, the worst part of jargis yeah. that's for sure i would keep him i would keep him having in mind if if Olanovas is struggling with his shooting uh, gifi in 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 the season could I just become see that the they're main guy in that position
0: you know and that's how i would you know split the
1: money for different positions okay anyway it's complicated enough, fair, thing fair enough just wrapping up about Zalgiris, uh do you think that uh, now knowing as dofts um, history as a coach do you think he can be a long-term solution let's say in konas working ahead of this season because in in the past i see he worked for a year everywhere Uh, he worked he worked for a year two teams where he worked for two seasons but, but no continuity in general yeah so do you think that it was just like a solution for this season and next summer they're gonna be They'll have more some other open coaches.
0: market probably. Yeah.
1: I I look at him
0: as a short-term solution uh, so far. Yeah, That's I mean, pretty obvious because too. of his style, because of his uh, history, and I think that Juras Dots is very smart, very organized uh, coach, and he's the one who Jargiris was liking of. Uh, I mean, on the sidelines, Jalgiris need uh, needs someone, discipline.
1: Someone strict.
0: Yeah, strict. strong hand. Yeah, as we Lithuanians love, you know, strict hands and stuff. And I said... But, but you know, uh, all these strict hands and stuff like that, players usually get tired of it, and it's really hard to maintain the team on the same
1: line with such a so strict for coach. For short term? Probably. Work, unless uh, unless uh, Dofts will make a, some as changes. As a shake-up in the team. Like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes okay, yes, yes. maybe. And you know what? I, I, I said about Martin Schiller that this season could make or break his EuroLeague potential career. Well, it's, it's gone. He's broken. <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: I, I have no idea what he's going to do. I think I actually I think, think he, that he can be.
1: He's a really great assistant coach. I th- so I think he will be an assistant coach in the NBA. Yeah, for me it looks like the mo- most likely he, scenario. He already have connections in the NBA. He unless Chile. Chile,
0: Alba will need some coaching. Alba change. Berlin could be the only. That would be a great option. fit, actually.
1: But knowing Alba Berlin, I cannot imagine them firing Israel Gonzalez for whatever reason. If they trusted him to be the successor of uh, Ito Garcia Reneses, he was in the system already as an assistant coach. He will not be fired like Martin Schiller after losing a couple of games and I think Martin Schiller will end up in the, in, in the coaching staff in NBA maybe even in Utah Jazz. Oh yeah. Uh the final thing about
0: coaching change. The last season there were only three coaching changes. All these teams uh, who made changes were Pantnaikos, Zvezda, and Kimki. And all these teams were uh, mm, last three teams in the standings, actually. So the coaching change didn't help. Well, it couldn't help him. No, <laughs> nobody could help Kimki.
1: <laughs> but okay, we have two other examples. So. But, uh, this season, maybe there will be more coaching changes. Um, yeah. Last year was the pandemic, it was hard to make financial decisions. It's not
0: and easy this season too because there are not so many good co- good coaches available. You have to admit that. So if you need so- to replace something, you have to have a good alternative. I would still
1: bet on Kazan uh, replacing Karasovic choice, yeah. at some point and I, I would actually bet on Baskonia replacing uh, Dusko Ivanovic The way Baskonia is playing is, I don't know, they're suffering a lot on the court. So it's, it's not aesthetic... I don't like watching them. The way how they were playing but they, under Dushkov. If the time. they're playing like this and winning, it's okay. But so far, they don't look like a winning team. They grinded out an important win um, in that last game against Alba and against Panathinaikos, but those were not convincing wins and they were playing against bottom half teams in the Euroleague. Against Armania and Olympiacos they were hopeless. Yeah. Let's admit it. They were hopeless in both of these games. So it's not... They, they don't look like playoff material. So I think Ivana, Ivanovic could be also replaced during the season. So I see these two hot seats. And Kazan, well, you know, <laughs> 41 points. A team with Mario Hezonia. I was so Isaac mad. Isaac Cannon. <laughs> I, had Mario Hezonia, <laughs> I had Mario
0: Hezonia as my captain on my fantasy Basket News Fantasy team. <laughs> How on, earth, he scored, how on earth do you score 41 points? I mean, I scored, he scored <laughs> something like two points or something like that. Oh my
1: God. This team's whole, the whole team has had an index rating of 15. Oh my God. The whole team. Oh my God,
0: had he ruined my 15. great start of the double week, <laughs> but, really.
1: But how do you score 41 points with that much talent, with that much, I mean, so many scorers, potential scorers, wow.
0: OG Mayo is joining them soon, so... Oh, I don't know what, what ex- I'm
1: not sure what to expect from him. I, I'm not sure how good can he be right now. But 80-41, <sighs> hey, What kind of scoreline is this? Let's not lose our heads. <laughs> okay, in yes. The middle of October. I, I admit that they lost some um, last-second games. They lost by a single point against Zenit in the opener. They lost against Monaco in the overtime where, where when Mike James started doing his yeah, magic. Easily could be a three-to-one team, uh, but. At the same time, they could be 0-4 because uh, they made a huge comeback against Bayern Munich. They were down by double digits. and Knowing that they really invested a lot in new players, signing a superstar like Mario Hezonia, the expectations are pretty high. I, I don't really know and I'm not familiar with any of the decision makers in Kazan. But I imagine that for Perasovic, there's a pressure and he needs to win some games immediately. I think so. Guitas is
0: showing us some signs, giving us some science. He I f- he was doing something like this, which is something like a dance of the roof, <laughs> uh, our Eurovision <laughs> group. If, if you want to cancel the podcast or to finish the podcast, you know, do some other signs. <laughs> but anyway, we have to finish. We didn't talk enough about Monaco, but probably we'll do the next week because they're facing yeah. their league's team, I would say, uh, Basconia. Uh, there will be some other uh, nice uh, games. Unix against FS, for example. If FS will manage uh, to get out of the, the losing will. slump, they will. Uh, then, for example, what else is playing? It's Olympiakos.
1: Yeah, Skala Olympiakos is the one I'm looking Barcelona for.
0: Barcelona Zenit. I mean, there will be some nice and games. Xavi
1: against Sharas. It's, it's, a, a, it's a good playoff week. classics good last, of last, last season. So, who's Madrid playing?
0: Uh, Fenerbahce.
1: Another, good, Another game. good game. Another, Another good, good game. game. So Fenerbahce now maybe g- gain some confidence from humiliating Kazan <laughs> by 39 points. We talked uh, in our Lithuanian podcast about Fenerbahce's struggles, why they're struggling in mm-hmm. the beginning of the season with so much talent and all these players. And this could be the game where everything clicks for them. And Georgievich said that um, simple basketball is the most beautiful basketball. And when you have the Kolo Vesely... Booker, Henry, you can play actually quite simple basketball, but effective at the same time. So I'm looking forward to Fenerbahce against Real as well. I'm
0: looking forward to come back to the podcast after one week, not like after yeah, one month. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I missed we, you we, actually. I missed, I missed our conversations, too, yeah.
1: And maybe, I, I don't know I felt a little bit rusty now because I haven't talked English yeah. for these three oh, weeks. were good, especially with <laughs> that Ataman impression. <laughs> you were in a good shape. It, it's a classic. Maybe it should be a weekly classic. Something I should do every week. <laughs> yes, yes. I will prepare some questions for Coach Ataman. So, so I I expect to get some comments. Comments. Maybe people don't like it at all. I, I don't know. It wasn't racist or something, no. 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 Man, come <laughs> no, I'm on. I'm just kidding. No, I'm it's just, just kidding. Imp- impersonation. <laughs> of course, come of on, course. Man. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the NBA nights today. It's gonna be a long
0: day for you. Oh yeah. Rytis Višniauskas, Donatas Urbanas, thanks for watch, uh, watching us and follow us on basketnews.com.